Hey, it's Brandon here and I have some big news. Seven Figure Millennials is now beyond curious. I am so excited for this new brand and I would highly encourage you to go check out episode number 140 for all of the juicy details. But as a teaser for episode 140, the central question for Seven Figure Millennials, the original show from the beginning was, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? I spent over 1,000 hours researching this question and published 139 episodes. And after all of that, I have an answer. And I put together that answer in a legit masterclass that weaves together clips from previous guests all to answer that question. So if you wanna hear my answer, the why behind Beyond Curious and the vision moving forward, go check out episode number 140. But you are here listening to this episode, which I know is amazing, but I would just highly recommend you also check out episode number 140 for the full explanation behind the rebrand. All right, here's your episode. Greetings, my friend, and welcome to today's episode of Seven Figure Millennials, where together you and I are choosing to do things differently. Together, you and I are committing to prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships while building a business that creates a meaningful impact in the lives of the people that we love and generating the wealth for us to design a beautiful life on our terms. And if you are listening to my voice for the very first time, I want to say welcome. Super excited to have you here. And if you're a seasoned listener coming back every single week, you know how much I appreciate you. Every single week, I'm interviewing amazing humans, making a massive impact in the world so that I can pull out their best wisdom to support you to do exactly the same. And today's episode is very special because it is a bonus episode and is a it is a continuation of uh, episode that we released earlier this week with Ryan Castellas. So this is part two of this incredible episode because it was just so much fun that we had to continue. So uh, I'll give you a little bit of context on Ryan again. If you happen to be jumping in and listening to this one first, I would recommend that you pause right now and actually go back and listen to part one because you're going to get so much more out of this second part if you hear it. But uh, just to make sure that I'm covering all the bases, I'm going to read Ryan's bio again and then what you can look forward to in this specific part of the episode. Ryan Castellas is the founder and creative director of Discourse Coffee, which Growler Magazine called the most gonzo, balls-to-the-wall experimental coffee house. Originally in Door County, Wisconsin, he moved to Milwaukee, where he and his team have multiple coffee workshops. His inventive drink-making has been featured on the Emmy Award-winning PBS program Wisconsin Foodie and featured in print in Barista Magazine, Food & Wine, Plate Magazine, Daily Coffee News, El Restaurante, Clever Root, Milwaukee Mag, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and Door County Living. Guys, Ryan is a dear friend of mine and I hyped him up so much in the last episode because he deserves it. This guy is somebody that I've respected for a very long time, probably one of the most creative brains that I know. And in the world of coffee, he is changing the game on how the drink is consumed. So in the first part of the episode, we talked about how Ryan got his start in the old country buffet where he uncovered his childhood genius about how he's creating a movement and how he's built a business that's in alignment with his purpose. We also talked about some of the crazy drinks that he came up with, like the matrix reference and motorhead and motorheads, my favorite drink that literally has pork fat and apple cores in it. So it's really, really crazy, but we ended that episode on a cliffhanger. And so that's where we're going to pick up on today's episode where I want 
want you to look out for three new incredible things. The first is that cliffhanger that we continued on where I <laughs> I ended the last episode saying two words, pawpaw, and Ryan was like, oh my god. And then I was like, hey, Ryan, you know, anything that you want to add to add to the suspense? And he was like, poison. <laughs> so that's where we continue on that story of pawpaw, pawpaw, how Ryan accidentally poisoned himself during a coffee experiment gone wrong. So <laughs> listen to that right at the beginning. Number two, what... I also took Ryan up on something that he offered in part one of the episode where he was like, let's come up with a drink on the fly. So I came up with an ingredient where I, I, it's a, it's a, one of my favorite fruits during my travels that I had with Leah and we, well, Leah's my wife, by the way, if you don't know that, but, uh, one of my favorite fruits is this thing called durian. And so I tossed him durian. If you don't know what durian is, we dive into that. And it, it, let's just say it was a curveball to throw durian at Ryan to see what he came up with. But in real time, without any preparation, he came up with a drink that would leverage durian, which is a very hated and very loved fruit. Uh, so you'll get to learn a little bit about how he did that and watch his brain work in real time, which is super cool. And then number three, I want you to look out for our conversation about the creative process. So after we see Ryan create something out of thin air, we kind of parallel that back into my creative process and Ryan's creative process and what we think about as we breathe life into a project. So this is another super fun uh, episode. It is something that I'm going to be returning to. And if you listen to the first episode, you know how enthusiastic Ryan is and how infectious his passion is for coffee. And so this was just so much fun. And I think a uh, continuation of something that Ryan and I are going to do in person, because I just think some sparks flew as a result of doing this in person. And uh, I get a lot of energy hanging out with Ryan and talking about creativity and making an impact in the world with your ideas. So with all that said, please enjoy this incredible part two with my friend, Ryan Castellez. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Bigger Millennials Podcast. Well, that was a long manicotti break. Um, so, <laughs> Week-long manicotti. So, so for those that need the context, we went and we had delicious manicotti. It was fantastic. And then we were so full afterwards that we didn't have any energy for a part <laughs> two. Like, nah, next week. Next so week. so the, the promise was tie next week, and then we had to reschedule. <laughs> and now we're back here at tie, and I just had to watch you and Leah eat tie uh-huh. as I consumed this veggie rice bowl because I'm running <laughs> okay. a Spartan ultra so i cried a little bit the veggie rice bowl actually looked good the part that made me sad was when you pulled out the potato and the chicken breast (laughs) (laughs) that's what i was like oh man my dude suffered over there so that is high on my list after my spartan ultra is to come back home and get some more of that thai because that shit is delicious so good shouts out thai a kitchen yeah there you go Yeah, so uh, I had so much fun in part one, and I literally actually re-listened to our conversation like just before this. So if you're if you're jumping in right now and you clicked on part two before listening to part one, I just want to say go back and listen to part one because <laughs> we're gonna close some loops as to some 
the things that we happened and some things that we talked about. We're going to dive into a bunch of really incredible stuff. But last time we ended on a cliffhanger, and it was <sighs> a cliffhanger with two words, which was pop off. So um, we'll just dive right in with where we left <laughs> off. People are like, "What alien language are you speaking?" Is is pawpaw literally like you you dissected a cat and you took two paws and you put it into a man? Drink? That's dog. <laughs> so so so. <laughs> I have a cat. Man. I don't actually have a cat. Okay, so mine. what's so what's pawpaw? Tell us the story of pawpaw. Okay, so if you if you've never heard of pawpaw, pawpaw is uh, essentially the only tropical-esque food that's native to the Midwest. Um, and so it's something that I've been meaning to find forever because it's supposed to have this beautiful kind of like mangoey, strawberry, pineapple flavor, which sounds delicious, right? I mean, delicious. Uh, so finally, after years of searching for this food, you know, it, it it's never found in the stores because it, it is famous for going bad very quickly um, after it's picked. So you really have to get it from like a forager. Um, and finally, I had a foraging connection who had papa. And so I I'm ecstatic, you know. I'm like, okay, let's. We're gonna grab ten pounds of this pawpaw. I, I, I want to use this. I wanted to use this. So we grab all of this pawpaw, right? And and pawpaw being a forged food is is quite expensive, you know. Sure. So in my brain, it's like, okay, we got to think of every single way that we can use this food. Um, and and I have you know really no conception that this would be in any way dangerous because the forger who I'm buying it from usually forgers are gonna tell you like, hey. Don't use this part of the food, not good for you. No word, no notice. So I'm like, okay, gung-ho, let's go, all free. So we make a, a beautiful pawpaw syrup, we do a pawpaw infusion, it's delicious, it's tropical, it's native, it's, it's wonderful. Um, and then we take the pulp, and I try to make it into a pawpaw fruit leather. And I, I do this a lot. If I'm juicing a puree and I'm gonna, I, I take the pulp and I dehydrate it until it creates kind of like a soft fruit leather. Um, and so I make this pawpaw fruit leather and I use it to roll up this kind of like cardamom toffee-esque thing. It's it's delicious, right? So I'm like- I'm excited already. I, I'm okay, like so. eating this thing. It's, it's kind of like beef jerky almost, but like super, like almost like a tropical Indian beef jerky. It's, it's awesome. Um, and I have like one piece and I give it to uh, a former employee of mine named Tess. I'm like, hey, Tess, try this. It's delicious. And they try it. They're like, oh yeah, that is delicious. 45 minutes later, I'm, I, I'm, <laughs> You're I'm driving, your dude. Out. I'm driving. I'm like, oh my God. Like, what if, What is going on with me right now? I'm, I'm like starting to get a little dizzy. And, and I, I get, right as I'm feeling this, I'm like laying down for a nap in my car, parked, you know? And uh, Tess texts me, and they're like, hey, man, uh, I'm starting to feel kind of sick over here. And then like five minutes later, I get another text being like, I just threw up. I think I should go home. <laughs> And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, probably a good idea. And I'm like, I haven't told them yet that like I'm also feeling terrible. I wonder what the common connection here is. Uh, and like a couple hours later, I was like, I should probably mention that it was probably the pawpaw. Uh, and I, I, I looked it up, and it said the skins of the pawpaw could be mildly toxic. Uh, and I was like, okay. Well, it makes sense if we if we dehydrated the pulp because I didn't use the skins, but if we dehydrated the pulp, we could have concentrated that enough uh, that that concentration was just enough to peek over, and and that was one of the only times that I've you know created something that made me sick. Uh, I mean, I was very happy that it ended there. You know, Tess was super cool about it. <laughs> I was fine. You know, it's like oh, it was dangerous in the job. You know, uh, but it was. It's a crazy experience, man. And, and, and you're having an experience like that. It's always like 
it's a little bit difficult to get back up on the horse the next day. You're like, oh man, like I really screwed up on that one. Uh, but you just do it. I mean, you, you find you find things that work, you find things that don't work. And if, and if there's any luck in the situation, you always test first. You know, I, I learned that lesson years before. It's like if I'm doing anything new or experimental or weird or innovative, like I'm gonna try it on myself first. Yeah, give my do a little research, try it on myself, and then if both of those things pass the the colors test, then you know next day we'll start serving it to people. Yeah. So I, so so I guess maybe the lesson learned is to not bring an employee in and simultaneously poison them. So you yes, go, you get, yes. go in but on yourself. Only poison too. myself. Only poison yep. yourself. <laughs> and also probably tell someone before you go off into a room and start taking some mysterious Midwestern fruit, which I didn't know the Midwest was capable of growing anything that was tropical. It's like so. the only one. It's, it's literally the only tropical-esque fruit that the Midwest can produce. Yeah. Well, I love that. So for the for those that have been awesome enough to listen to part one and joined us for the, the cliffhanger that was Paw Paw, like it, it's, it's very clear that you are very willing to try things that may not work. And right. 100%. And like you're constantly iterating and doing crazy shit that maybe you're ending up on poison control one day. Yep. But at the end of the day, like you're constantly inventing and creating new stuff, which is just beautiful to see you constantly evolve as part of that process. That's how we grow. That's how we learn. That's how new things come into the world, right? You know, and and I, to me, that's the exciting part. And I, and I vocalize this constantly at our concepts, both to our staff and our guests. You know, it's if you wanted to make a drink that you already knew how to make, just make it at home. Yeah. That you already know the bourbon you like. Just just make your own Manhattan. You know, like I'm sorry, like yeah, it's probably not going to be any better if you come out to the bar, but. To come out to a bar, to say, hey, I'm leaving my abode to go and experience and try something new, right? I look at it as my responsibility, as our responsibility as, as professionals in this space to be presenting you with the ideas that you could not think of yourself, yeah. right? That, that for me is, is my calling. And there are definitely people out there who their calling is like, okay, I'm going to make the best martini in the world. I'm going to make the best Manhattan in the world. And that stuff I think is great, but I think a lot of times is, is incredibly subjective to, okay, what is yogurt Manhattan versus yogurt martini versus, you know, whereas for me, there was nothing subjective about new experience. You know, yeah. new experience is new experience. And, and that is an objective win. Yeah. And, and that's something that we try to curate at all of our concepts is, hey, we want you to have a fundamentally new experience around coffee, tea, cocktails. We want you to come in and try something or see something or smell something that you you never have before and yeah. and, and that's the fun of it right it, it, that's what makes it worth going out is is this this new experience this growth this wrestling with discomfort and and, and the result of that which is newness which mm -hmm. is finding something you may love that you didn't know about before yeah. um, and and i think that's the magic of, of hospitality i think that's the magic of being a professional drink maker or a professional chef is getting to expose people to the beauty that is latent within most of the things around you that you you just might not know about yeah I love that. So as you were talking, I just kind of came up with this idea of like uh, a, a, a exercise, I guess, question mark that I that I want to try. So yeah. so what I think would be really interesting and my intention for asking you to talk about Motorhead and the, your Matrix drink as well and also Paw Paw was I think anybody listening picked up a little bit about your creative process, right? Because yeah. if you listen to the way you talked about Motorhead, it's like, oh, okay, I have these ingredients. How could I create something? But then the next question you ask is like, what's the story behind 100%. it? And then you were trying to like kind of reverse engineer. So 
I, I think what's really interesting, whether or not you're listening to this and you're ever going to create any of these crazy drinks, which, you know, I'm going to now that I have your book and I can at least try <laughs> yeah. to do some of these things, right? But Some of them are easy. Yeah, some but, but easy. I think the creative process in general applies across contexts, right? And so, like, for me, I'm not leveraging coffee as my creative art, but what I realized that my creative canvas, my creative art is – in these experiences that I'm creating when I bring people together. 100%. Like I'm creating these really unique mastermind experiences yes. and exercises. So all that to say, I think it would be really cool for us to take you up on that offer of like coming up with a drink and deconstructing it. Absolutely. But then I also want to attempt at paralleling that to the creative process in general about how like when any new idea is formed, how you can leverage that creativity to come up with new ways of thinking about 100%. things. So it's, it's kind of a mixture. So we'll see, we'll see where it goes, but yeah, let's, let's dive into like uh, a creative pro let's create a drink right now. So where, it, where, where do we do it? So I have an ingredient I have in mind, but, but you tell me where would it go? <laughs> well, crush it out. What's the ingredient? Okay. So um, I'll take everyone back to Bali. So, so Lee and I had a uh, great, well, interesting experiences in Bali. We, 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 we feared for our lives multiple times. Right. Um, but in, you know, in, in Bali, they have all these epic fruit stands. And yeah. so for me, I love durian, um, which, which, which for those of you that are listening, so I'm, I'm going to give you two options. You're a bastard. I'll, I'll give, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to give you two options. I'll give you two options. So for those of you who don't know, durian, is the best way of describing durian is that it's banned from hotels. I don't know if you knew this. Like it is so stinky that they literally don't allow it in hotel rooms because like the, the it's like trying to get smoke out of yeah, a, a couch because durian is so strong. So for me, like I've, I've had many friends attempt at tasting durian, right? And I filmed all their reactions and the majority of people hate it. I personally love it. It's got like a creamy custardy flavor. It's really unique. And, and so, and it's, and, and the other thing that's really funny about durian is it looks like a battle weapon. Like it legit, <laughs> legit. If I were like about to throw down with someone and I had the choice, between like choosing some other normal weapon or a piece of durian i would choose a Dude, piece of durian, durian. the durian would wreck because it's like it's essentially imagine like a watermelon with spikes so like literally when you go to a street vendor they will but you pick out the durian that you want and they wrap it up in wire and then they hand you like this little handle so you don't have to carry the damn thing they give you like a little that's wild. yeah yeah so so anyways that's that's option one is we could use durian as as an option which which is i know that's a that's a crazy one the other one is actually my favorite fruit in the world um it's in bali and i have not been able to find it anywhere else uh mangosteen um i knew you so, were gonna say mangosteen. really mangosteen? That, that's like the one food that like everybody who's tried it it's their favorite food it's, but most most people the have never tried it. Most delicious. I can't even begin to describe what mangosteen tastes like besides the fact that you just got to try it. And, like, you can find it in, like, drinks. Like, you can find, like you know, processed yeah. cans of it or whatever. But like, I literally, after you and I were talking last week, I was trying to like, how do I source some mango scene? It's like ridiculous. Like, so, so anyways, okay. So those are, those are your two options. Let's do durian. Dur mango okay. scene is too easy. Let's do durian. Oh, okay. All right. So, uh, here's, here's my thought for durian, right? Um, the first thing we need to do is look at the characteristics of the durian itself. So okay. you have this super, super pungent aroma. Yep. You have this creamy custardy texture. Yep. But for me, maybe the most interesting thing about the durian is that shell, right? That that pointy, prickly, yeah. crazy shell. It says don't 
fuck with me. Yeah, like, we'll, that, we'll put this in the show notes too. And just imagine this, guys. Like when people collect durian, they wear helmets because yes. you can die. Yes. If imagine if a coconut, something the weight of a coconut, fell on your head, but it had but spikes. spikes. <laughs> yep. So like, yep. that's what we're talking about here. So continue. So what I would probably do, you know, if this is a no holds barred drink, right? <laughs> uh, I would I would probably cut the top third off the durian. Okay. Um, I would spoon it out, all that creamy custardy stuff, and I would soak that creamy custardy stuff in salt water. What that salt water is going to do is it's going to start to mitigate that aromatic. So it's just going to keep that creamy custardy texture, but that pungency that that what a lot of people think smells like uh, gym socks. You know, <laughs> Legit, uh, that like that <laughs> is going to start to go away in the salt water bath. Okay. Um, we are going to actually use the shell of the durian as the service vessel. Um, so after we create the cocktail, we're going to put it back in that durian shell, uh, and then we'll have a long straw sticking out of it. So we have the appearance of that durian still present in this drink because that's a huge part of this story. The next thing we have to do is figure out, okay, how do we create, recreate this feeling yeah. um, in, in the drink itself? So what I'd probably do is I would take a little bit of that durian, creamy custardy, not soaked in the salt water, and I'd steep it like a tea. Now what I'm trying to do here is I'm actually trying to extract the aroma that kind of pungent, uh, sticky, sweaty smell. Um, when we have that smell, I'll put it aside and I'll wait. We're going to use that later. So then I would take that creamy custardy stuff, right? And I would probably make something inspired by Bali. So um, in many parts of the world, primarily in India, um, lassi, you know, is this creamy, yep. custardy, yogurty Really drink. In Indian. Very, kind of, yes, yeah. very Indian. Um, and in other parts of the world, like in Greece, they celebrated as, or in Turkey, they celebrated as the Iran. Uh, and the Iran is very similar to a lassi, except it's a little salty. Okay. And so what we're going to do is we're going to use that salt that's gone into that custard for that uh, durian, and we're going to use that to replicate that saltiness in the Iran. So we can take this kind of creamy, custardy, salty durian that's going to be much less aromatic than it was before. We can blend that with some yogurt. We could throw in some mango steam. We could put in some lemon for a little balance. Um, and then I might do like a traditional Balinesian coffee. Um, those are going to have more of your notes of like a little more earthy. Um, and what I might do for that is I might do a, a kobu. So I might actually take um, some of the fruits Blowing from my that food right stand. Keep going though. <laughs> uh, some of the fruits from that food stand will juice them. Add that to water snake and then fruit. we'll toss yes, some snake fruit. Snake fruit. Let's okay. get some snake fruit out there. Uh, <laughs> All my favorite Bali Juice fruit. that baby. <laughs> Mix it one-to-one -one with water and then use that to brew the coffee. And what that's going to do is it's going to create a coffee that has those fruity notes um, and emphasizes the fruity notes in the coffee and actually mutes some of the earthiness from the Balinesian. Um, so now what we have is this kind of fruity, earthy Balinesian coffee. We're throwing that in with mango. We're throwing that in with yogurt. We're throwing that in with that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful custody texture of that durian, a little bit of lemon for brightness. And we're going to blend all of that up. And at the end, it's going to have this consistency very much like a lassi but it's going to be fruity and citrusy and just that little bit of piquancy from that's left in from that that durian is going to carry through the finish so we'll transfer that back into the durian shell now we're going to use our final component that smell um so i'm going to take a box a service box hollowed out and then i'm going to fill it with dry ice have you ever seen dry ice yeah so we're going to fill it with dry ice frozen co2 we'll put a lid on it and we'll put that durian shell on top 
and then I'm gonna heat up that tea that we made with the durian, and I'm gonna pour it over the dry ice. And what that's gonna do is it's gonna create a fog, and that fog is gonna smell very similar um, to that aroma of the durian. So you will have the aromatic perception of what the durian is in this fog that'll cover the base of that spiky fruit. Then you have this spiky bowl coming out from that fog, and inside you're gonna have this really creamy, comforting, light, tropical, uh, beautiful lassi uh, that has none of the flavor of that stinky durian, but that aromatic from the fog is going to bring it back into the experience. So we've captured this idea of durian, uh, we've captured this idea of Bali, but we've done it in a way that is approachable and, and recognizable. Dude, my brain is hurting right now <laughs> hold on okay hold on there's so there's so much to unpack here on what just came out of your mouth um the, okay first question i have is i, I want to see i want to give everyone a picture like inside the brain of, of ryan so like so like so like i was joking with my friend caitlin the other day it's like in her brain anybody that's seen the minority report like this is how i picture her brain it's just like a bunch of different portals with like business models and that kind of stuff and like I don't know what your brain looks like. I actually, we, Lee and I watched Twenty Two Jump Street the other day when they're like tripping and like they're just <laughs> yeah. so like I don't know what's going. I can't quite picture what's going on in your brain. But here's the first question: Is did that come fully formed to you? Like did that just like like, like it took you a good four minutes to articulate that yeah. whole damn thing? But like did that? And and by the way. I didn't tell Ryan I was gonna use use no, durian. No he had no <laughs> no idea. And like, I don't know about you listening right now, but like, I want to try that now. And like, you literally. So like, so take us to that. So I said that the word durian came yeah. to your mind. Did that did that come fully fleshed to you, or were, as you were articulating it, you were kind of figuring it out? Like, I want to know what just it's happened. It's a little bit. It's a little bit of both. Um, to answer the first question, what does my brain look like? Have you ever seen that episode of SpongeBob where he <laughs> learns to be a fine dining waiter? No. Oh my god, it's amazing. Uh, but there, there's there's a part in this episode where SpongeBob is learning to be a fine dining waiter, and he's uh he's being asked by somebody. Um, he goes, "Oh my God, you are the best waiter I've ever had. I must know, sir. What is your name?" And and SpongeBob's conditioned himself to only remember fine dining and breathing, and and he goes, "My name, my name." And he said, "Yes, sir. Your name, my name." And then it flashes to this video, and it's all of these mini SpongeBob's running around this office with filing cabinets, and everything's on fire. And he's like, "We threw out his name." Uh, oh, I'm right now. That's that's what my brain looks like inside. Okay, uh, all right. Now that we have that visual, all right. So now go back and re-listen the last five minutes and just picture that happening inside of Brian's brain. Is this okay? All right, continue. We so, got like a SpongeBob yeah, on like a, a yeah, hamster wheel, yeah, exactly, like Ryan's, exactly. Like. So uh, the first thing that came to me when we were talking about this doing was okay, this this appearance, right? And, and there's two things about doing. Like it is it is a bludgeoning weapon of, of flavor, of aroma, of of visuals, right? And so when I'm thinking about how do we create a drink around Durian, it's how do we create a drink that tells that story? You know, and, and that's really it. It's like, okay, what is the story of Durian? And then how do we translate that story into taste, texture, aroma, presentation? Uh, you know, and, and that's something that has just come to me over years of practice and study, right? It's, it's learning a language and then applying that language um, to a novel problem. Okay, so like, like here's the other thing about durian, and and, and this, I tossed you a hard one, cause like, because based on my experience of introducing durian to my friends, like when, when like I had one friend Luke that came and visit us in Bali, and like, 
all, like literally I can show you the video afterwards, but it's like we're on a street like like classic Thailand. There's red trucks flying all over the place and he's like unwrapping and the first words that come out of Luke's mouth is why does it look like a cadaver? <laughs> Because the inside, the inside of a durian is like it looks like a cadaver. It could be like an organ, right? So yes. like the outside is this disgusting, or is this you know mean looking thing, yes. and then inside it looks like an alien yes. flesh, right? And then like he smells it, he picks it up and he smells it. And he's like, I'm gonna like it. I'm gonna like it. And then he puts it in his mouth, and he's you just see the just <laughs> disgust appear on his face, and he's like, he's literally like, it tastes like onion and garbage and mixed all together, and so like so like. That's literally my experience of making my friends taste durian. Like for anybody that has for nobody that we're talking about, like people hate it. So like, so I could imagine that that like I toss you a hard one, but like you would have to overcome the fact that I don't know the majority of people probably don't like this. 100%. So like, so like, would that would that make you? Would this be one of those creative challenges? Where like, how can I make a drink based on a fruit that? like a standard person would Absolutely. probably turn their nose up at like and, and so and so that was like another factor is like how Absolutely. do i make this approachable well and, and well here's the thing too right is that there are some drinks that we develop that are meant to be what we call patio pounders right like slammers things that you want to order like six of you know that's that's maybe half of our menu right the other half we enter into with an agreement and an acknowledgement that People may only want to try this thing once. Yeah, love, it, love it or hate exactly. it. Exactly, right? and, and they're going to talk about totally it either way. Yeah, fucking fine, yeah. right? Like that's <laughs> fine, you know. And like, I, th I think that's the problem. That's why so like, and no shade to coffee. I love the coffee industry, but I think that's why a lot of the coffee industry has been boring for a long time, man. Is it? It's like we they there was a focus on let's only create things that people will want again and again and again and again. And, and for me, I think it's far more interesting to spend half of your time thinking about that. Like, okay, what are the things that are gonna sell? And then the other half of the time thinking about, okay, how do I create something that is completely whimsical, that is completely fun, that may only ever be a one-off, that may be love or hate, um, and, and expose people to new things. And, and over time, as a creative, if you accustom your audience to the fact that you will always put weird, fun, delicious things in front of them, the trust that they start to build in you is incredible. And at the end of the day, they know, okay, if this one isn't for me, like, I'll just go up, I'll let them know, I'll get a different one. You know, and, and we're here for that journey. Like, that, that's the whole point. So, you know, we may make that durian drink and it may spur discourse around what durian is, where it comes from, why is it so bad? Um, or it may be this conversation of, wow, I never knew that I could actually like durian. Yeah. And now I like durian. Yeah. You know, and, and so for me, it's 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 worth it, right? It, it's worth the effort to take the chance. It's worth the effort to try to recreate something out of nothing. And you know, I mean, we've worked with some wild ingredients, man. I mean, we've made drinks from cattails and native oats and crab crab apples and you know, all these things that growing up I, I was kinda told like never touch that. Don't do that. Yeah. You know, and, and we've made drinks with these things that are delicious. And and it just takes a little bit of time and a little bit of intention and a little bit of research to figure out, okay, how where did these things come from how do we create things around this and and how do we build upon uh traditional practices to create something that is fit for the modern day yeah and i think too just you know watching you do that in real time i was just like i was just like 
not only blown away, but it's also crazy because I can imagine too, like imagine the intentionality that you put behind it, yeah. right? Like, like the thought, like we're going to have this and there's going to be, there's going to be the other Balinese flavors and that kind of stuff. Like imagine you trying that drink and not liking it. You don't like the taste of it. You're still interested by the story 100%. that you just exactly. created, and the right? experience, like, right? And, and by, the, by the fog, by exactly, the by the presentation, right? and and you know, and that's that's the whole thing, man. You know, and a drink like that, that doing drink, right? Like conceptually, it's something I'm able to create very quickly in my head, right? But actually, putting that into the world yeah. would probably take five, 10, 20 renditions. You know, very close to Matrix reference, where we're tweaking and we're tweaking and we're tweaking. You know, something like, okay, this actually needs to soak overnight in that salt water bath instead of for two hours, or actually, if at, at overnight it gets too salty, um, you know, and and we we. We have a drink on our menu right now called uh, Reduce, Reuse, Recycle. We yeah, were talking we're about talking it earlier at yeah. dinner. Um, and we've been in this constant R&D process with the brie milk. And, and what we've been finding is, okay, if we leave the brie rinds to steep in the milk for two days, the milk will curdle. If we leave the brie rinds to steep in the milk for 12 hours, it won't. Um, and, and so there are all of these little experiments that we do along the way to, to figure out, okay, how do we do this crazy thing in a way that is um, sustainable, in a way that works, in a way that is delicious? Um, and, it, and it's that constant process of reinvention, of trying. You know, this recycle ended up being the final application of an ingredient that I had created, um, which was a spent croissant syrup. So our wasted croissants at the shop, we would take them, slice them into pieces, sous vide them with sugar and water, and it created a syrup that tastes exactly like a croissant, like to the tea the butter, the pastry, the lamination. Um, and I was looking desperately for a use for this thing. I mean, it was so cool that I was like, I just want to serve people shots of this syrup. <laughs> uh, but like, I, obviously we didn't want to do that. So uh, we tried to do croissant sodas and croissant espressos and croissant cortados. And, and, and finally we decided we were going to put this whipped brie dip on the menu. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I loved living in France. I loved the simplicity of breakfast in France where you would have a croissant and some cheese and maybe some meat and food. Um, and it was like, oh man, like that, that, this Parisian idea of like a croissant and some brie. Why not blend these things together? And so Brie Cycle was, was born of that, of let's make some brie milk, let's take this croissant syrup and, and let's put together something that is, is beautiful and is, is more than the sum of its parts. And so we find these things, you know, we find these opportunities to, to create um, and and those for me are always the most exciting so oh my gosh it's so cool there's so many things i want to unpack there but i'm really curious i'm going to share a reflection at you and i want to i want to see if this resonates because i'm, I'm really Please. curious about this so like i've one of the things and you and i were talking about this at dinner like i've over the past year worked really hard on distilling and figuring out what my unique ability what my superpowers yep. are right yep and so for me, I realize that my creation comes in a five phase cycle, but the first three parts happen a lot faster and then four and five come later. So I'm curious to see if this is kind of like how your brain works too, because I saw it in the way that you were talking. Yes. So like for me, it's like curiously explore is always yep. step number one, right? Like, like you were in France, like you were th seeing how people were eating breakfast and you had this leftover croissant thing. And so like, it's just like there's really nothing besides like, well, that was interesting. Oh, that's 100%. interesting. It's just, it's all just kind of like floating around 100%. there. There's no Evernote. Maybe there's an Evernote file, but like, you know, it's just kind of, <laughs> it's just kind of there. And then, and then what happens next is connecting the dots. Like, so, so for me, like connection is, you know, my thing, I connect humans, I connect, yep. connect people and connect ideas. But like, sometimes it's like you have enough of this crap floating around and you're like, wait, those two things could go together. Right. And then it, it kind of forms this, this, 
problem that you want to solve. And then for me, the third part is create a system of transformation. So like for me, like usually it comes in the form of like different concepts for like guests that have come on the show or like, you know, like I heard that like two or three times now. So like now I should probably be doing something about it. And so like, then I'll go really excited and balls to the wall. And for me, usually it'll come in the form of like a thinking tool or a spreadsheet or like questions to ask or like, you know, and and now that I'm experimenting the world of like putting people together and creating experiences together, it's really started to form. And so, um, what I realized though, is like those three things are like, it's a constant, it's, it's like for a while I would get mad at myself cause I would go down these rabbit holes and it's like, ah, nothing really came from that. And it's just like, I invested like 12 hours in this thing. It's just sitting in the corner collecting dust. Right. But then months later, I'm like, wait, that thing that's sitting in the corner is actually exactly what yes, I need right yes. now. Right. So like, I'm curious as like, as I shared that, yes. like, is that kind of how it 100%. works for you too? It totally okay. resonates. And, and I, I think that there is no meaningless creation. I, yeah. I'm very much a proponent of that. You know, I, I was actually just talking to my friend today about this because um, she does workshops where she teaches people how to make naturally dyed scarves and you know it's primarily like middle-aged women you know and then and then some uh some like young professionals who are like oh i want to do something fun um and it's beautiful right because these people are able to leave with something they've created and 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 there is a penultimate joy uh a relaxation a a meditative and and very therapeutic quality to the act of creation yeah Uh, and even if that creation bears no fruit um the creation itself is the fruit you know just the ability to bring something into the world that was nothing. You know, we we both share the penchants for curiosity. You know, I think that's one of our core key traits for for both of us. And acting on curiosity is like, I think the greatest purpose and the greatest potential of being human. You know, and, and even if that action is not something that draws results, that draws money, you know, even if it sits in a corner and gathers dust, you know, you have brought something into the world and that, and that should be celebrated. Well, I think that too, it's okay. So here's the the other way that I would think about this too, is like, it's not, even if the thing doesn't get created, you went through that cycle in your brain, right? So it's like, like if the raw output was never used, right? But the thinking muscles were flexed into creating that thing, right? And so it's like, whether the tangible use of the thing ever saw the light of day, it was another opportunity for you to go through that iterative cycle that like maybe that brilliant thing that you created didn't have anything to do with that other thing, but the, the, the thought behind it is actually what empowered you to oh, create it. Oh, that thing it. that I thought about 10 months ago. Yeah. Have you ever read the book Big Magic? No. It's amazing. I okay. highly recommend it. It's by Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, and it's the book that she wrote after Eat, Pray, Love. And so a lot of what the book talks about is, okay, I'm a young author. I just wrote Eat, Pray, Love. How do I continue to be an author? And, and the whole thing is this kind of study on creativity, this study on overcoming blockage. Um, and it's amazing. But one of the things that she talks about, and it sticked with me for a long time now, um, is this idea of ideas being sentient and, and independent. And so essentially what she posits is, okay, ideas are existing right so in this room right now we're surrounded by ideas and ideas choose a host 
to bring it into the world. We essentially are just a, a conduit for an idea to become life. Um, and when an idea finds us and it says, hey, I think you are my host, it gives us a timeline and it says, okay, I want this to be a thing in the world. I want to be alive within X amount of time. Um, and if we do not come through and follow through with that idea that has been planted in our heads, that idea will fly off and find another host, which is why when we see our ideas that we think were ours be actuated by somebody else, hmm. what she posits is that idea came to you and it saw it wasn't going to be actualized, so it I left. It went to find somebody who would. Uh, and, and I think that is such a powerful way to think about ideas for two reasons. One, it separates the creator from the idea. And, and this mm. is something I think is really, really, really special and important. I think when you view yourself as a conduit for great ideas instead of as the thinker the source. of great ideas, yeah. um, it's, it puts you in that one degree of separation that allows you to maintain humility. Yeah. You are a partner to the idea. Yeah. Uh, and I think that is a beautiful way to think about the reception and the inaction of ideas. Uh, the second reason I think that's really, really beautiful is it drops the pressure. Right? Instead of now being the person that has to generate ideas, all you have to do is be the person that is receptive Collecting them, yeah. to ideas. And I think that is beautiful. This idea that if we are simply open, if we are simply aware, if we are simply present, ideas will flow into us. And then it is our job as conduits to sort through those ideas and say, these are the ideas that have been given to me that I will bring to life. And the ideas that we do not bring to life will fly off to you or to somebody else in the world who will actualize those ideas. And, and that, that, I think, is, is beautiful. And, and, and since reading that, that's kind of how I've thought about ideas. You know, ideas will come and they will go. And, and I think it is that natural flow um, that creates the ability to create thoughtfully. Uh, to be able to interpret and say, hey, these are the ideas that I want to pour myself into and these are the ideas that I'm going to toss on to the next thinker. You would have you read the War of Art, Stephen Pressfield? No, and I've been meaning to for years. It's that my dad gifted it to me when I like graduated high school. You know, I was like, thanks, dad. And, <laughs> and I think it went on a bookshelf somewhere, and I've been meaning to for years. I think you would find those concepts complimentary because he talks a lot about the muse and yes. like how it, the the muse visits you, right? And so, but yeah, I think that that's that's so beautiful. And the other thing that I'll just say to that that I think was just you know as as you were talking, I realized how important it is to allow yourself to have that space, right? Yes, because like those ideas won't come to you if you're flying to a meetings back to back to back 100%. and like having no time to decompress or let 100%. things go. Where do you have your best ideas? Everybody always says in the shower. So I'll say in the shower, but I mean, I mean, I don't know, I guess, um, uh, yeah, I honestly, I would say the shower or disconnected, right? Like not, having input and this is another thing that i've been thinking a lot about lately is because like i've always viewed and you were just making fun of me right before we got here is because i can listen on like four times speed <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, guys. and you're like you're like this is fucking gibberish right but like for, for so for like me i can consume content at two to three times speed and like usually i'm listening to stuff all the time right but like now i'm now i've i've entered a space right where i always felt like i was almost like missing out on missing out on effectiveness if i wasn't listening to yeah. or consuming stuff but now now it's almost like sometimes I just need to not listen to anything. And, like, and, and so, so it could be on a run. It could be um, 
well in the shower. But I think the, the there's the balance between getting inspiration and having it like kind of flood your brain, yes. and then just having white space, right? Yes. So to answer your question, probably shower or working out or running. So I get my best ideas in the car driving. Yeah, and what do all of these things have in common? Yeah, no, no active. Hundred percent, no stimulus. Yeah, you're just open. You're yeah. just receptive, and, and I think that is the the state that all of us need to cultivate more in our lives. You know, yeah, I've I've been meditating now every morning for the past like three or four months, and it, and it's radically changed my life. Uh, and and it's a practice that I recommend everybody to do because it's like being in the shower, but you don't have to dry off afterwards. <laughs> you, know, you 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 get this ability to to clear your mind, to be open, to be receptive, to be simply a vessel for thought. Um, and, and nobody says they get their best ideas when they're in a boardroom surrounded by 15 other people leading a meeting, right? Yeah. Like, it's just not, we're, we're focused in, we're not receptive, we're not open. And and that to me is is the beauty of being in the shower, is the beauty of going on a drive, is the beauty of meditation, is is this receptiveness. And and I think acknowledging that, that, you know, that my strongest moments are not the moments where I am hardest at work, they're the moments when I am the most receptive mm. to the world. And, and I think, if you are receptive and you are curious, uh, that's a that's a combo, man. Yeah, that that's when you start to see some mad generation. Oh man, that's so beautiful. I want to be respectful of your time because I know you got to get going here. But as I I will I will drop this as a as a teaser. Ryan and I are still chatting about this, but I think it would be really fun for us to continue to do these like in person, kind of just jam and like it's crazy how fast forty five minutes. It literally just flew, and like you know, it's it's interesting because like lots of these conversations, like I have so many notes and so many stories, but I feel like you and I have this really cool dynamic where it's like it's just like we could just keep going. So, anyways, we'll we'll. we'll We'll keep that as a, a dot, 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 a TBD. I know this was part two. We covered so much, and I think there's so much gold in here for everyone listening. But um, you've listened to a bunch of episodes, Ryan, so you know the, la- the last question that I like I to have. ask. So, so um, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll end here, and then uh, we'll, we'll also leave it on a dot, dot, dot for potential uh, more conversations like this. But, Ryan, what does happiness mean to you today? <laughs> oh, that's such a good question. And every time you ask it, I'm like, oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> You know, I I think for me, and and this is something we what we were talking about earlier. You know, I I am somebody who constantly reinvents himself, and so I think that my my definition of what happiness means is kind of also constantly reinventing itself. You know, I think right now at this stage in my life, uh, happiness is observing the impact of the passion that you can put into the world. Hmm. You know, it, it it's it's. For me, when I am the happiest, it's when I see acknowledgement or understanding or growth on, on the faces of my staff. It's it's when I see joy and newness and novelty on the faces of our guests. Uh, it's when I feel in flow. It's when I feel most connected um, to, to the world, to the others around me, to my family, to my friends. Um, and I, I think it is that feeling of connection that can create this feeling of happiness. You know, I, I think what we're fed is that happiness is equal to success. And I think the problem is that as a society, our definition of what success is is completely wrong. And and let me tell you, as a guy who, you know, just put out a book who's been in a bunch of newspapers who's been on a bunch of podcasts right there's there's like three moments of happiness that come after that you're like oh that was sick and then you're done 
you know, what doesn't change is how happy you feel when you are sitting next to somebody you love. Mm -hmm. What doesn't change is how happy you feel when you're having an amazing conversation with a dear friend like this. Mm. Um, and, and I think that to me is, is happiness, is, is connection, is lived passion, is growth. Um, so right now, to me, that's happiness. But in, in five years, happiness might be sitting on a canoe in the middle of a lake, uh, you know, surrounded by ducks. Uh, and, and in 10 years, happiness might be sitting in the big chair of a boardroom saying, I finally got here. Uh, you know, so I, and, and I think that happiness changes. You know, what makes you happy is, is something that will change as you change. But for me right now, uh, happiness is, is connection and is, is lived purpose. That's so beautiful, man. I, I, oh, this is such a good answer. I, I want to continue the conversation, but I don't want to add on anything on top of it because it was just so beautiful. So that was incredible. Thank you so much, man. This has been so much fun. And as you My know, pleasure. I always like to have a conversation with our friends listening. And I just want to say, you could be listening to any other podcast. You could be doing so many other things. You could be even having, as we just talked about at the end, you could be sitting and thinking about nothing and just letting some white space in, which I would encourage even more after yes, this conversation absolutely. right now. But meditate. <laughs> but but you have chosen to not only most likely listen to two parts. So you've been listening to me and Ryan talk for almost probably two hours at this point. And for that, I am so grateful. I, I seriously am. You're absolutely what makes this possible is – people like yourself that are investing in yourself to expand and grow. And the the call to action or the thing that I always say is that whether you are a first time listener or a returning listener, there is absolutely something in this episode or the one before it that can change someone's life. Like just think about how ridiculously passion passionate Ryan is about what he does. And like everybody could use an extra dose of that. And like, I think what Ryan was hitting on at the end about happiness and creativity and all these things and ideas being gifted to you, like maybe there is a gift or there's an idea that has been waiting to, it's been tapping you on the shoulder, but you didn't, you weren't consciously aware of that. So maybe, yep. maybe it was in this conversation about seeing Ryan come up with how to create durian on the fly. Maybe it was in the last <laughs> conversation about seeing Ryan uh, tell his stories about uh, originating from the old country buffet, whatever it is, there's something in here that can change someone's life. And um, my my ask for you is that you take the time to share this with someone because you have the opportunity to create that impact to share it with them. So Amen. whether you choose to do that or not, I appreciate you so much for listening. And, and Ryan, any final things you want to say before we head out? I just want to say, you know, I and you, you hinted at this earlier, but I, uh, since meeting you, have taken such tremendous joy in listening to your show. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, seven figure millennials in the past and whatever it may be, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's special, man. And, and the way that you interact, you know, like I said, I've done these um, and this has been by far the best one I've done. And, and there, there's something about you, the way that you act, your innate curiosity, your passion for people, your passion for connecting that that resonates. Um, and it's it's deeply impactful, both as somebody listening to the podcast and somebody uh, lucky enough to be sitting across from you <laughs> on the podcast. Um, so I just I just want to say thank you. And you know you, I think you underplay yourself and how much you play up the guests on your shows, but you are creating some of the coolest experiences in the world right now. Um, and you're creating one of the best podcasts, I think, in existence. <laughs> um, and 
uh, kudos, man. I mean, uh, the amount of change that you've brought into the world is inspiring. Um, and it's inspiring for, for everybody, for your guests, for your listeners. So uh, kudos and, and, and very excited to, to be a guest on this show. Thank you. Sincere, sincere thank you. The, the feelings are absolutely mutual. And uh, yeah, this is definitely a, a part of a continuing saga, at least the conversation that you and I, you and I are having. So we could keep rambling. We got forever. more in store. Yeah, no, more in store. <laughs> but I'll, I'll just finish by saying I love you so much, man. I like I, too, I'm dude. so grateful for you and uh, grateful for you listening. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Peace.